doctors tell us you are what you eat and this is true but the bible tells us that we are what we think proverbs 23 verse 7 for as he thinketh in his heart so is he the truth is what we think is what we believe and what we believe is who we become and unfortunately for many children of God, there is a problem with how we think about ourselves. We believe the wrong things about ourselves based on one negative life event or because of what another person's opinion was. And this is one of the many reasons why renewing our minds as believers is so important. We hold on to one life event. We hold on to what someone says about us or what someone has said about us or one experience in life and we think that's who we are. Think of what God has told you you are. Believe what his word says about you. The only way you can do this is by renewing your mind. Change the way you perceive yourself. Change the way you see yourself because you become what you believe. Do you believe? that you're a child of the Most High? Do you believe that you're the head and not the tail? Who do you believe you are? You see, when you believe these things, when you think these things, you become them. And it's not only you who see the change, but it's all the people around you. All the people that have been sprouting their opinions will also see it. They will see that you're a child of God. They will see that you're more than an overcomer. They will see that you are blessed and highly favored. They will see that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, now for you and me to renew our mind, we need to know the word of God. For you to become a complete man or woman of God, you need to know the word of God. There is no substitute, absolutely no substitute for the word of God. The Bible is our reference point. It's the anchor to our soul. If your thoughts about yourself are about how you're not good enough or how you're not smart enough, I encourage you to discover what the word of God says about you and renew your mind. Genesis 1.27 records that God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created them. You and I are created in the image of God. You're not created by accident. You didn't randomly come into being. God created you. God made you just the way you are. You are gifted by God. No one can see the world like you do. No one can walk like you do. And this is one of the many revelations that you will come to see when you renew your mind. God does not make mistakes. On. That's what I'm talking about. Let me just get you fired up. Uh, Colossians chapter 3. Uh, this is week 4 of Colossians. And as I mentioned last week, we uh, were spending two weeks in Colossians chapter 3 because it's so deep, it's so rich. If you missed last week, you can view it online. 
but frankly, I feel like today is a better, uh, you know, if there's, it's a better sequel. The sequel's better than the first one, um, because we're going to get a little bit deeper into this whole idea of, of where we struggle so much, and that is in our will, mind, and emotions, primarily in our thought life. Anybody with me? Okay. So, um, we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 3 again, but before we do, let me pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, what a privilege it is today to be together with your people as the church. Lord, we've seen your body on display already in the church, God, through all the incredible things that this community gets to be a part of. And now, Jesus, I ask as you, as we have this opportunity to open up your word, that you would speak that we collectively would come together and be transformed as we have another view and look at who you are and who you've created us to be. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we struggle so much? I mean, in our mind, we struggle so much. And some of us are more honest about that than others. Uh, if, we're, um, if we're looking at kind of what's going on in the world. Uh, mental health has become sort of a, a key word or a key phrase in our world. And, you know, COVID had a lot to do with that, right? I mean, you, you tell people they can't leave their house. You can't go on walks. You can't go out to parks and you have to wear a mask all the time. You know, it'll make anybody crazy, right? So we've kind of lived in that world. And what's come of it is this, this mental health idea has sort of taken center stage more than before. It's not a new problem. It's not a new dynamic that that all of us have to navigate at some level, some more than others. Even as you look at the Olympics, and there's been talk about mental health uh, with some of the athletes struggling and the, what the pandemic has done and all those kinds of things. And so the world is striving to get answers to this whole, like, what do we do about people are really struggling? And people are struggling way more than we admit. Sometimes we can't even admit it to ourselves. That's the first step. And when I was struggling... Uh, I, I didn't tell my wife because I didn't tell me. I mean, you can pretend and justify and rationalize and like, I'm good, I'm fine, and avoid, right, as much as you can. And then, and then eventually you hit the wall and you say something and the people around you are like, yeah, we already knew that. It's clear to us. It's obvious that you're struggling, but thank you for now coming and, and sharing it because it's so powerful when we bring it to the light because the enemy wants us to just be isolated. That's, that's the goal, be isolated. You're the only one. No one else struggles with this stuff, right? That's just the biggest lie ever. And so the world has tried its very best. And I even think well-intentioned people have tried their best to offer all of us solution after solution after solution of this whole mental health pandemic. Now, I want to pause and say um, mental health is real. Mental issues are real. Um, I'm not against medication. I'm not against clinical diagnosis. Um, my, my wife, as many of you know, uh, struggles with, with OCD. She was uh, diagnosed when she was 16 or 17 years old and, um, and, and consequently has been navigating those waters um, and finding victory, both emotionally, physically, spiritually, but also in her mind. But it's real. And sometimes medication is needed. 
Um, and maybe, maybe you're somebody who's been, been struggling with, with doubt or um, shame that, that you've needed medication. And um, I just, I want to be one person in your life that says, that's not defeat. Um, if you have a headache, take aspirin. It helps, right? Um, and so sometimes that's the answer. I say that to say, I also believe that our world throws medication on everything. And sometimes uh, a pill won't solve it. It will numb it, but it's not going to solve it. And I'd say that probably happens more often than not. But it's the world's effort to try to offer a solution to uh, a much deeper problem. And the reality is they don't have the answer. The world doesn't have the answer to a spiritual problem. And so, um, so please hear me when I, when, I, when I dive into this message that I'm not ignorant to the realities of the physical dynamics of the mind and the need for uh, medication in specific instances. Um, we live with that reality in our home every day. That being said, I, God has a lot to say about this. He has a lot, a lot to say about mental health. He has a lot to say about health in general. And so we're going to dive into it. All of you guys are like, what is he going to say? Is this like, I don't know. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says this. Let, he let heaven fill your thoughts. Verse 3. For you died and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And so I want to do a real quick we recap on the next slide. It has three little bubbles. And we talked about this last week, but I want to recap for those who maybe forgot or weren't here. This is a really powerful reality, and that is that you are made up of three parts. And so if we're going to tackle at all at any level this, this whole thing about mental health, we have to talk about soul health, because your mind is a part of your soul, will, mind, and emotions. Your soul is made up of what you think, how you feel, and consequently what you desire. This is your soul. It's the thing that's eternal. It's the real you. When the Bible talks about your heart, guard your heart, for out of it will flow the issues of life. When the Bible talks about the real you, the Bible in the Greek language is talking about the soul, the soul of a man. That's why when we talk about getting saved, it's your soul. Your soul is saved. And so we're made up of three parts. Your spirit is created to connect with God. You have to realize God created all this. He didn't, it didn't just happen and God's like, oh shoot, what am I going to do with about these three bubbles? God created these three things and Adam and Eve were created perfectly in this union. They, he created his spirit and the spirit is created to connect with God. The soul is so cool. It's created to connect with God and his creation. Which, side note, what I love about this is that when the soul is redeemed, when you get saved, and you become alive, and your spirit man becomes alive, then your soul has the capacity now to not just connect with God, but connect with his creation in a redemptive way. Which is why your relationships, the way you see the world, you're, it's, like, it's like you were seeing in black and white before, and now you all of a sudden can see in color, even just the creation itself. You see it differently because you were created to connect and engage with not just God, but his creation in a beautiful way. And then lastly, the body. God created us to connect with his creation, which is why your body likes creation so much. 
It likes to look at good things. It likes to eat tasty things. It likes to do fun things. And those are not bad. And th- there are some, um, there's some theology out there and whole belief systems that would say that everything to do with the flesh, everything to do with the body is all bad. It's all fallen. And so therefore we should, you know, we should, we should not enjoy the things of life. But God created all of life. And he created it for your enjoyment. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. He put everything in there. And he goes, oh my gosh, look at this. Enjoy, it's yours. In fact, you get to, you get to hang out with all the animals. You get to name all of them. This is for your enjoyment. He created colors and smells and beauty. I mean, anybody else, anybody been on a vacation recently and seen beauty? God created that for you to enjoy. It's amazing. Somewhere in there, we get lost. Because we're made up of three parts, and yet we struggle. And, um, and so in order to understand soul, in order to understand mental health, we have to understand soul health. Yes. Don't miss this. In order to understand soul health, we have to be introduced to death. Dun, dun, dun. Let's read Colossians chapter 3 again, verse 2. Let heaven fill your thoughts, for you died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So, okay. So I died? But in Colossians 2, it talks all about the fact that God's made me alive. And in fact, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says that you were dead in your trespasses, but God has made you alive. And so so you read this and you go, am I dead? Or am I alive? Am I alive and I'm supposed to die? I'm confused. Anybody else confused? I'm confused. So when Adam and Eve sinned, their spirits died. They were in the garden. They had the three bubbles going. They were perfect. They were amazing. And all of a sudden, they sinned. And God wasn't trying to punish them. God put the opportunity for them to sin in the garden because if we don't have a choice, then it's not love. If you don't have a choice, then we're just robots. And all of this is for naught. God gave you a choice. He said, I love you. I've given you everything. I've came that you might have life your choice. You choose. I mean, listen, if you had an arranged marriage and you never had a choice in it, then there may or may not be love involved, right? But if it's I choose you, that's what the beautiful thing about marriage is. Somebody look at your spouse and go, I choose you. I chose you. I still choose you. It's beautiful. You guys are like, I'm not doing that. This is awkward. Um, (laughs) I still choose you, right? It's a choice. It's beautiful. And so this is, this is, this is God giving Adam and Eve a choice daily to, to choose, choose me. Because I love you, I choose you and, you, and you can choose me. So when they sinned, their spirit died. God said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. That's what the scripture says. You eat of this fruit, you will surely die. They ate it. I mean, I would imagine they were like, nope, not dead. 
Check it again. No, I'm, is, this, is this the afterlife? No, we're, we're alive still. We're still here. We're still breathing. We're alive. Because God said you're going to be dead. And they weren't dead. Their spirit was dead. Their soul was alive and well. And we see that with what, what, what transpires in the very next events. Adam said, I heard you coming and I was afraid. That's an emotion. So I made a choice to hide. Because I thought that would be the best thing to do. My mind. My will, mind, and emotions, they were all still working. My spirit died but my emotions, they were alive and well. So Adam and Eve learned to relate with God by their soul because their spirit was dead. What they thought, what th- how they felt, and what they desired. And this is the new relationship that they developed with God because that's the only one that they had to go by. The problem is, From birth, you and, I, you and I have had the same challenge. And it'll be up there on the screen. We have learned to relate with God and his creation through the lens of an unsubmitted, unredeemed soul. And this is kind of the whole deal, so don't miss this. You and I have learned, before we came to Christ, and even when we were a baby in Christ, all we knew is what we wanted, what we thought, what we felt, what we desired, just like Adam and Eve in the garden after the fall, this is how we connect with God. And so we kind of go, okay, a little bit of God and a little bit of us, and we find our way in there somehow. But at the end of the day, it's kind of what we want. And that explains a lot in terms of maybe some of your bad choices. Some of the things, I I remember uh, my daughter Haley, recently she came to me and she's like, Dad, I'm getting ready to go into middle school. What can I expect? So we started explaining some of these things and Caleb's kind of in on the conversation. He's sharing a few things. And then she goes, Dad, when did you get saved? And, uh, and I explained to her, you know, it was like, I asked Jesus into my heart lots of times when I was little. But we like, you know, later on in middle school, it was when it kind of clicked for me. And I started kind of living for him. And, and uh, there's some, some moments where I remember specifically like giving him my life. And so then she says, so then, Dad, if you got saved in middle school... What about the stories in high school where, like, you did some things that you shouldn't have? And she goes, Dad, have you ever toilet papered anybody's house? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, actually, I have. It's super fun. (laughs) You're not doing it. Um, (laughs) And so she goes, Dad, I'm going to do everything you did in high school. And I'm like, "Um, not if I have something to do with it. But again, the innocence, she's like, well, you were saved. And, and so obviously what you did was okay because God's in you and like, what's the deal? But again, there's this like, there's this reality that when you get saved, it's, it's not just darkness to light and then there's no issue. It is a full on war. Um, Mark chapter 8, verse 33. I love this because it's, it's, it's Peter having this war within him 
when he's with Jesus. Now listen, Peter is the guy who was like leading the church after Jesus went on. A couple years after this event, Peter's leading the church. He's literally raising people from the dead, preaching to thousands. I mean, the guy is a full-on stud. And this is his interaction with Jesus. Jesus rebuked Peter and said, watch this, get behind me, Satan. You just call me Satan? That's pretty intense. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. He wasn't saying, hey, Peter, you've been momentarily possessed. He was saying, you're operating in that old man that you, haven't, that you don't know yet how to renew And so you're operating on a plane that I don't operate on. Your soul, your will, mind, and emotions is on a a plane that I don't operate on. And right now in this moment, it's really not serving you well. In fact, it's to the point where you're giving the Son of God really bad advice. Now listen, if you've ever given Jesus advice, you know, it really should be thought through and spirit-filled, right? And, and it's, not the, it's not the only time it happened where the disciples took Jesus inside and said, you're, ne- I'm, you're never going to do this. You're never going to go to the cross. I'm not going to even let that happen. Why? Because they're operating at a, at a very fleshly level. doesn't mean they're bad people. doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means that the war is real within us. Okay. So I want to go back to that passage where it says, and you died. And I want to geek out for a minute on you. And I'm going to put it up on the screen. Because this is the Greek for you died. And sometimes the Greek gives two words or three words for one actual word because we don't have that word in our language. So the only word that we had in our language was you died, but it's actually a real word. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but that's what it is. And this is what, this is what that word means. To separate for the purpose of liberation, the cutting away of what was to bring about what is? Such a good, oh my gosh. I'm going to leave this up there because I don't think it's hit you yet, but it's so powerful what we're talking about. Because when we're talking about you dying, God is up to something beautiful in your life. So keep that up there while I uh, perform the chef stuff here. Okay, so this is a cantaloupe. If you've never had a cantaloupe, it's amazing. We used to have it all the time as a child. For some reason, my kids don't like cantaloupe, so we never have it. So I had to go by the store to get this one. But cantaloupes are amazing. And when I first uh, was introduced to a cantaloupe um, and first watched my mom cut one open, I was very surprised at what the inside looks like. Because at first glance, you'd think it'd be similar to a watermelon. Now, when you cut a watermelon open, you can pretty much eat all of it. To the core, it's good stuff. In fact, the very core of a watermelon typically is like the most red, juicy stuff. And so, ready? Ready? I should have practiced this. Yeah. So, When you cut a a cantaloupe open, however, it looks kind of like alien-ish in the middle. It's kind of gross. And it's probably why many of you don't even eat cantaloupe. You're like, no, no, thank you. That's that's too much mess. So if you just start slicing into this thing, it's it's really not going to be fun. 
And I think that oftentimes, at least for, for, for entry-level, you know, newer Christians, the, the idea is that when you get saved, that it's beautiful on the inside now. Because I got saved. I invited Jesus into my heart. He cleans me out and voila, right? It's amazing. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And here we are in the middle of it. And so, and so there's a cutting away. And we have two tools here. Now, what are we cutting away? Because that's what it says. You died the cutting away. So, which means that the inside here is your soul and something needs to get cut away because you, your soul, died. Cut away. So religion would say, you need to cut away what? Your bad behavior. As I told you guys before, I was in here in this room talking to a gal who was here for a different purpose for like a business meeting. And she told me when I invited her to church, you don't let people like me in church. She's like, I cuss like a drunken sailor. My behavior is not becoming of a church member. So you don't, you don't want me in your church. And of course, I said, no, actually, you're exactly who we want in the church. But she you know, didn't take me up on the offer. But the idea is, if you accept Christ, if you take the blue pill, if you go down that rabbit trail, then the cutting away is like, all right, Shane, buckle up. Because... It's time to uh, get rid of all that bad language. That's not good, right? Fun, gone, because this is about holiness. Because God needs to accept you, and he can only accept holy. And so you can only listen to Christian music. So that means Alex is out. Okay. And... And all of that other stuff, it's just, we just need to cut it away because that's what we're going to do and we're going to feel really good about it. And then not only the bad stuff, but now we're going to start adding some good stuff. And now, here you go. And this is what we serve up to the world. Isn't that amazing? amazing. Yeah, that's the point. It's gross. <laughs> Show it for the camera. You don't want to eat that. This is religion. And we come to a verse like this and we say, and you died. And so we come to church and it's a cutting away of all of that worldly stuff. Because ick, you got to get the worldly stuff out so you can be holy so that God can accept you. Don't miss this. You were created to thrive. You were created to be placed back into this world so that you can connect with the world, what he created, music, beauty, fun, other people, the things that God created, you can connect with them in a beautiful way and you can connect with God in the same fashion and the two meet and Jesus said, I came that you might have life. This does not feel like life. It doesn't look like life. And it's so easy to get there. But God said, I came that you might have life to the full. It's an abundance, full of color, 
This is who God created you to be. So notice, notice Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They sin, so their, so their spirit dies, and all they have now is flesh. All they have now is their unredeemed soul to connect with God. And they're trying. They're still trying to connect with God. But notice what instantly happens to their will, mind, and emotions, who they really are, when they start connecting with God. What happens? Well, shame. That's the first one. Shame. They were naked. The Bible says Moses, who wrote Genesis, at the very end of chapter 1, he sums it all up. The whole garden experience, he sums it all up by saying, and they were naked, physically naked, and unashamed. Meaning, they didn't need anything to hide. Instantly, when they have an unredeemed soul, the instant emotion is shame. And shame is not like guilt. Guilt says, I'm sorry for what I did. The action that I did, I'm really sorry. I'm disappointed. I feel really bad about that. Shame says, in light of what I did, I'm ashamed of who I am. Shame has a personal dynamic to it. So all of a sudden, they weren't just ashamed at what they did. They were ashamed at who they are, which is why they need to hide, which is why you and I hide, because we're ashamed of who we are. It's an identity thing. So shame is the first one. Second one was uh, fear. Well, self-gratification, shame, fear, right? We were afraid. We were afraid of what you do. We were afraid of the consequences. We don't even know what we were afraid of. We were just filled with anxiety. And so we hid. And the last one is isolation. We hid because we don't want anyone to know, most of all you, what happened. So leave us alone. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna shy away from everything. And then you and I do. Well, you and I had these exact same emotions for all the same reasons. And what you have to realize is this is the soul operating in a, in, a, in a way that God never intended it to. Adam and Eve never felt these emotions before. Fallen world, and all of a sudden, this is the byproduct of that. So, what's being cut away? What's sucking the life out of you? That's what's being cut away. And God doesn't use a knife. He uses a spoon. If you've ever eaten cantaloupe, I recommend a spoon. It works way better. But, but and, and God is a gentleman. He's a father. It's beautiful. And he comes and he, and he begins the process of cutting. Thank you so much. I was totally thinking that in my mind. It'd be great to have a trash can. And he begins the process of one scoop at a time. And a lot of times the first scoop is gnarly, right? It's like, boom. You know what this is not? Your bad behavior. You know what this is? It's the shame and the fear and the garbage that you have going on in your mind that's telling you that you're not worthy. That's telling you that you don't belong here. That's telling you that you don't have anything to offer. That's the garbage that God's saying, and you died. It's not the beautiful you. It's that you that's sucking the life out of you because I came to bring you life. That's what Jesus said. So he comes in and says, come on, will you let me? Will you let me shave off some of that stuff that's killing you? And so he comes and he takes another scoop, and this one's going to be a little bit deeper, and sometimes it hurts a little bit because you're just like, man, what, that's the self-destructive. Those things that maybe 
those things that maybe we cling on to because they feel good, because it's our safety. Maybe it's how we feel about ourselves or this, this thing that we've pigeonholed ourselves into. This is just how life is. And God's saying, no, I, I want to scrape that out. It's not who you are. That's not who I created you to be. No, it's how I created a cantaloupe. But it's not how I created you to be because I created you to thrive. Adam and Eve were not dysfunctional. They were not afraid. They were not fearful in the garden. They were beautiful and they connected with God in an unashamed way. And so God says, I've come to redeem that, reconcile it back to the way it was. And so God's like, man, I want to do an awesome work in you. And it's not what you think. It's beautiful. And so he comes and he scrapes. This is what he does Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24 says this, Throw off your old sinful nature, this garbage. Just throw it off. Get rid of it. It is not helping. This is not behavior. This is those dysfunctional things that have going on inside of you that God has identified. Throw those things off. It's garbage. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes And put on the new nature, created to be like God in true righteousness. So the dilemma is we come to God and we go, this is just who I am. And and, and we do this more when we're a little bit older in life, like past teenage years, right? My daughter's not saying that. She's not like, that is who I am. She's not doing that, okay? But when we get a little bit later in life and we kind of get into our grooves and we've had some disappointments and we've had some things, so eventually we just go, this is how life is. And sometimes we double down because we don't want to change because it's like, I kind of like being selfish and I like being hurt and I like being able to keep them at arm's length because I just am, am who I am. And sometimes it's because we just have settled for, I'm dysfunctional. And life's just happened to me. So I live in darkness and I have anxiety and I'm, I'm never going to like be healthy as a person. And that's just the way it is. And my finances, they'll just never be here because I'm just down here and that's just what it is. And God's like, seriously? You're going to double down on that? Really? Don't you think you're selling short the resurrection power of God that's being released in you? And God says, like, no, no way. You're not stuck. And I just, it's one of my, obviously, you can obviously realize it's one of my passions. It's one of my passions to help people go, you're not stuck. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what it is. You're not stuck. You are brand new. And you've just got some stuff there that you've accepted. And it's garbage. And it's here. And it's here. And God says, I want to change who you are. We should be, when we talk about who we are, it should be, it should be a very fluid concept. <laughs> who I am today, man, I hope I'm not that person tomorrow. And the next day, I hope I'm more gracious tomorrow. I hope I have more patience tomorrow. I hope I'm more like Jesus tomorrow. And in a year, I hope I'm not the same pastor and the same husband. Come on, we're moving from glory to glory because God is scooping off the junk and the stuff that is killing us so that we look like him. The problem is, in addition to that, is we do the same thing for others. We project onto others that they will never change. We do this for our spouses because 
we've been with them for 15 years. We've been with them for 20 years. We've been with them, whatever. And so that's just who they are. They'll never change. That's garbage. We do it for our family members, right? That brother, that uncle. I've done it with my family members. We do it for our boss, for our friends, sometimes with our kids. Like we just have this mentality that people in general don't change. And I'm here to tell you that God is doing an incredible work in your neighbor and in your colleague, and in your boss, and in you. And he is scraping off the garbage. And I'll tell you that who we look like when Jesus has gotten a hold of us and he has refined us is a totally different person. And I love to see transformation in people's lives. And I'll tell you, I want to be a people who believe for that. I never want to create a glass ceiling for somebody. Well, no, this is just who they are. Seriously? I don't think that's what Jesus says. I don't think that's what he feels. I think we should say, you know what? That might be a struggle or a limitation, but man, God's blowing that thing wide open. Why? Because he is renewing our lives. God is screaming, I came to make, to make you alive. So Paul says, let heaven fill your thoughts because you died. The old, insecure, hurt, angry, selfish version of your soul is buried and God is doing a new thing. So the question for us is, will you, will you let God do this in you? Will you let him? Man, I want to be the person that says, God, I'll climb up on that altar and lay myself bare God, have your way in me. Come on, if there's stuff in me, even if I'm holding tight like a binky, like it's my security blanket, but it's dysfunctional, come on, cut it out of me. Cut it, cut it out with your skillful tool because even if it feels good to my flesh, it's killing me. And you know that. And so come on, let's be a people that says, God, here, here trust you. Yes. Come on, scoop that garbage out of me. Well, I want to end with this. How does that even happen? How does this work even happen? Well, part of it is a willingness to say, Jesus, I, I surrender. I, I recognize the work now that you're doing. It's an inner work that produces good things. It's an inner work that, that produces good behavior and good mindset and good desires. And I realize that that's not the goal now. You're doing an inward thing. And so, God, I surrender. But secondly, there's something so powerful and, and, and a doorway, really kind of the only doorway that makes this happen. And it's seen in Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to land the plane on this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. In the context of what we're talking about, I want you to hear this verse. Sharper than any two-edged sword or spoon. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes the innermost thoughts and desires of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes to whom we must give account. There is nothing that performs this process 
like the Word of God. It is a beautiful tool that knows how to get in there because sometimes we don't know. Like, are these destructive thoughts? Is this bad stuff? And God, there's stuff in here I don't even know what to do with. There's thoughts and emotions and all this stuff. And God is saying, my word is what does this in your life. It's literally the thing that cleanses you out. And Paul ends Colossians chapter 3 with this whole idea. And he says this, Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing you, one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what this means? Get it in you however you can. And this is the practical thing I want to give you. Obviously, we can read the word. That's one way to get it in us. We can listen to the word. Put it on audio. That's one way. The other, thing, the other way you can do it, music. Now listen, music is not a replacement for reading God's word, for spending time in here, right? There, 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 there's a rhythm in it to devotions that's super powerful. But I just want to tell you, like, I don't sit here and read hours and hours of the Bible every day. I read the Bible every day. But there's another way that my spirit becomes alive in me, and it's music. And I really want to encourage you, like, my son exclusively listens to Caleb. It's hilarious. And, and they play the same songs, and it's kind of annoying. Derek donates to them, so thank you for that. Appreciate you keeping them on the line, bro. Uh, but, but my son, like, loves it. And then he goes at night, and he has this little, like, echo thing that plays music. And I, I can hear him talking to it at night. And he plays, like, All Hail King Jesus and, like, Waymaker and stuff. And, his, and again, I'm not, you know, heroing my, my son because he's got all kinds of problems. But, 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 he, but he loves Christian music. Why? Why does he love Christian music? Because I love Christian music. Because that's what we listen to. And listen, I get it. It's not like I don't listen to other music. Um, you know, when we're on a road trip, we rock, you know, country and other things like that. But I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't listen to garbage. We don't let our kids listen to garbage. And I monitor what our kids listen to, and like especially Haley, because she likes to listen to the like Disney and stuff like that. It's fine. But... It's not renewing our mind. It's not shaping and molding their life. The Word of God can do that. And I want to encourage you, if you have kids, pump them full of Christian music. And maybe they'll resist it first. God bless you. Introduce them to it. Come on, just try it. It is fuel for the soul. And I'm harping on music because music is so powerful and it's such a big thing right now and kids are walking around with headphones all the time and this is all they do. And I'm telling you, for you and me in the car, what we listen to, what we meditate on is shaping our lives and it's the very thing that has the ability to produce goodness in us or leave us just like, nah. And then we're like, why am I struggling with my thought life and why do I feel like I need to go see a psychiatrist and why am I so hurting on the inside? And I would ask you, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you meditating on? Where are you at, really? And for somebody who's struggling, the answer is probably nothing good. This stuff works. And it's so incredibly powerful. What does God want to cut out in us? God wants to kill those insecure, condemning thoughts. God wants to kill those evil, selfish, destructive desires. And God wants to kill those fearful, anxious 
depressing emotions. He is setting you free. He is cutting away for the sake of liberating so that you and I can live the beautiful, life-giving life that he has given us. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word, Jesus, that has the ability to go in and shape us And Father, I pray in the middle of this, in the middle of this conversation about, God, how do I become healthy on the inside? Jesus, we would recognize the beautiful work that you're doing. Holy Spirit, we make ourselves available to you. We make ourselves available to the inner work that you're doing in our lives. In this moment, we recognize the inner work that you're doing in our spouse's life in our neighbor's life, in our friend's life. May we be the people that can see transformational work taking place right before us. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.